Welcome to episode 40 of Iron Man Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righto guys, so welcome along to episode 40 of Iron Man Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Isles. John's actually not here today, it's just me because uh, you'll find out soon why, but uh, we'll get into that in a minute. First of all, Iron Man Talk is brought to you by Coffees of Hawaii, that's uh, coffeesofhawaii.com, so go there to buy your coffee needs, they ship all around the world with beautiful coffee, which I'm sure you guys will appreciate. Um, so in today's show... It's a little bit different to the usual format. We had an interview with Gordo and Scott, and the interview goes for around about an hour. Now, it was really cool. It was a really good chance just to catch up with those boys and talk about a few things regarding Epic Camp and um, some of the future ideas with Epic Camp and where they're going. Um, so, yeah, so let's just give a bit of background. Scott Molina, obviously known to all of us, is one of the, the big four in triathlon and one of the main men who kind of made it... Uh, kind of lead the path for us to where we are today he's won Hawaii he's won pretty much every race there is to win when it comes to triathlon and uh, just a real great great athlete Gordo Byrne is uh, one of the great thinkers of our sport started out kind of as a climber and kind of found Ironman through I'm not actually sure how he found it but found Ironman and started becoming a great passionate man one of the first people to have a website regarding kind of Ironman specific stuff and became a real legend in the game has a great book called Going Long um, and just a really great thinker in our sport so I started off the interview with the boys and just kind of talking to them and asking them about you know what's going to happen for the next couple of weeks over Epic Camp? What should I be looking out for and what are they kind of looking forward to with the next couple of weeks with Epic Camp? Uh, we were only using one mic, so at times you'll hear my background kind of giggling away, so just uh, be aware of that. And uh, yeah, here, here we go with the boys. Sure, this is, I think, our third time having an Epic Camp on the South Island, our seventh camp overall. And so we've 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 got a formula that we're not... We're not, we haven't set in stone, I wouldn't say, but we've got a formula that we think uh, most people who have signed up for the camp have enjoyed. Uh, it's long enough to present all sorts of challenges uh, to even the most um, fit, hardened Ironman. And um, for this camp, we're starting and finishing at my door, which is nice. Gordo said, hey, if I can... Well, you're, you're, you're finishing at your door because you're right. going to drive back from Queenstown. <laughs> that's right. i got to finish my door. That's right. Yeah. But... Um, the first camp oh, ever started. Well. The okay. first camp ever. That's right. Started and finished at at Gordo's garage, and so Which is just up the road. right. So for me, it's it's this aspect of it is really nice. Yeah. You know, not too much uh, hassle involved. Uh, I know the routes uh, for the most part, although I've never been over Haas Pass. I've never been down in that part of the West Coast. Um, but we're covering a lot of the southern part of the South Island, just like we did in the very first. Um, Epic Camp in 2003. Um, so what we have on tap is is uh, swim, bike, run every day. Very big first week, a thousand k of riding over what John Newsom calls rolling hills, and uh, the, uh, which means the the first bunch <laughs> averages 30 k an hour, and then the uh, the slower guys can be anywhere down to 22 k an hour, depending on the headwind situation, because it's all point to point. New Zealand being a fairly windy place, mm -hmm. if it's point to point and you're going into the, the wind. Day three of this coming camp was also day three last year, although the, the and so the first... Uh, Slightly different. Yeah, the first 60K is the same. 
but then we're going to go straight. Last year we turned right and started heading north, but we had headwinds last year, and the first 40K of that ride took me 201, wow. riding hard tempo. And I think I was, and, and even then, I think I was fifth over the climb. There were still four guys up the road that wow. were sort of even faster. So that's, that's a pretty big day. And then, uh, actually, that's part of our longest ride of the camp. That's going to, I think that day's what? 225. Two, two, yes. well, I think Scott's underestimated, but <laughs> I, I think it's going to be closer to 240, but we'll find out. Anyway, I'll get back to my story. Over the, <laughs> over, over, the first, over the first week, we have a big, big week. I mean, over the years, we've been experimenting, I suppose, in a way with uh, what is the most that people are, can tolerate and are willing to tolerate. Um, I remember when we did that North Island epic, uh, Gordo was shooting for um, a couple of 50-hour weeks uh, for the first time. And it, yeah. it seemed outrageous at the time. Remember, we were yeah. thinking, this is insane, you know. And uh, everybody got sick but him, I think. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I would say generally now, almost everybody does 40 to 50 hours. Everybody hits at least 40. I, I think uh, I think even in the, in the first camp we ever did, I was talking to it with Andrew Charles, uh, who's, who's back, who's back yeah. uh, this year. And That's he, a good thing. Yeah, that first that first <laughs> that he's come back. That he's come back. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. The first the first camp we ever did, we thought we were going crazy. And in that first week guys were kinda like thirty five and that was huge weeks for them. And since then we've had guys turn up I mean before we started the interview, I was telling Bevan about it. The Roboseth. Yeah. And he went ninety hours for the first ten days wow. of Epic Australia. That's he, he was just dawn to dusk, and that's we had to bring in some rules about when you could start and and when you got to be done because guys started riding around a velodrome with headlamps on and stuff. It got a bit out of control. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, so uh, what was that? Just the competitive nature of it? We had a point system, yeah. and the, back then there were these big benchmarks. If you were the first guy to hit 500, you got a point. If you were the first guy to hit a thousand, you got a point. First guy to hit 1500, more points. More points, and and it was like this multiplier. Yeah. So and but if everybody hit it on the same day, you all got the bonus. Okay. So what would happen is one guy would go out and go for it, and then nobody else wanted to get left behind. So all of a sudden you got four guys tagging along with him. So we thought that was a bit ridiculous. So we've we fine tuned the point system over the years to try and so, so people can still do a lot but not get out of hand. Let me jump in right here because I I think the one of the aspects of the camp that makes it so intriguing to me is we we want to we want to give incentive and uh, motivation for everybody to test their limits. So we created this point system. Yeah. Just doing the distances is enough. Yeah. If you just complete all the swim bike runs that we have on the camp, then that is a tremendous challenge. Mm. But <clears throat> we also want to make it a little bit more fun than just, you know, yeah. uh, point eight. Yeah, we are competitive yeah. people. And so that introducing the point system in the Yellow Jersey King of the Mountains uh, has been a lot of fun. It's added a lot to the camps. Um, you know, it's, we, it's dynamic, okay? yeah, it's another dynamic, and it's just it's just adds a lot of fun. You know, it, it, you get together a whole mess of really good athletes, very keen, very fit, and and throw this competitive element uh, in there. And I think if there's one aspect that actually sets our 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 epics apart from other camps it's that competitive dynamic um, it's not actually the great distances although no other camps do that but but that that's I, I think you know that's if you went slow enough 
so, so it's, it wouldn't it wouldn't be it wouldn't be epic if you, if you just if you just yeah. dawdled the whole thing and, and just about anybody can do it but you know you get together a whole bunch of eight and a half to uh, ten hour iron man i i think you're uh, i i mean see you you've done epic training for over 20 years so i mean maybe 25 maybe i mean how, how long you've been training big years. <laughs> too many okay i came out i started from scratch yeah. so you know in the, in the, in the mid 90s I wasn't winning triathlons. I was basically, you know, just learning how to walk. I was going on hikes and stuff. Yep. And I tell you, if you go, if you, I used to go out and when I started, when I first met Scott, I go out and I'd like average 21, 22 K an hour, but I go out and ride for, you know, five, six, seven hours, but you couldn't believe how slow I went. Yeah. And that, that was just, that was just my speed. Mm-hmm. So to physically do this much training in a week in distance terms would not have been possible for me back then. When I first started the big training, I can remember the first week I ever did a thousand K in a week, my first thousand K bike week. And all I did was ride that week. And I needed all that time just to get a thousand K. So to, 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 to yeah. I, and what, back then I was, you know, I was a nine, I, I was I was nine was I nine eleven going toward nine eleven I was heading towards nine eleven but right. I'd gone nine twenty four so I was like a sub ten guy and these are like the guys that turn up here but that was just what I did part of what changes well, part of what changes when you get into this group environment is you you get I mean it depends on the camp we're anywhere from ten to twenty guys um, sometimes few ladies you know we had Monica and Bella um, last year but you get that you get that many people together. And it's all guys and girls that are used to being the strongest in their yeah, own yeah, environment. Yeah, so they're, they're the strongest, you know, the slowest guy at Epic Camp, still one of the strongest guys in town. Mm-hmm. And so that's a big change for a lot of people. They're just, they're not used to being surrounded the, by that. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, and you just, you know, and you think, you know, you know, Klaus is sitting at the back and, and if he goes, he goes, oh, we're gonna ride hard now? And then he just, uh, you know, he goes to the front and like rides tempo for an hour and a half, and there's three guys left with him. Yeah. And then, and those three guys, it's only because he decided he wasn't going to attack them. He yeah, just, yeah. you know, just rides everybody off his wheel. So that's like a whole, a whole new mindset for people, and that's really neat because you take guys, and you. I remember our first, the first epic camp. Chris came along back. Chris McDonald, top Ironman guy now. He's podiuming at Ironman races. He's an age group guy back then. He's working as a as a tiler. And uh, it really just, and Klaus and I were there, and it really just opened his eyes. He was, he was spanking us, you know, a couple of times and, and, and through the week. And he gets to, gets to the end of the camp, and he's kind of like, you know, these guys, I mean, they train, but, you know, I can hang with them. And that's what we try and show the age group guys is, you know, if you removed all the distractions from your life, and if you just focused on nothing but training, getting good, you could really get a lot done. Yeah. And that's kind of the vision that we offer them over this two-week period. Because they don't, they don't need to do laundry. They don't need to cook. They don't need to go shopping. All they have to do is train. Yeah. And so that's part of what we bring. So, guys, what is it that you've, uh, over time, what are the things that you've actually learned from Epic Camp? You know, what's the difference between the ones that you did you know, a couple of years ago to the ones you've learned now? You know, is it more training really works? Or, you know, what, what are the real differences? <laughs> what has changed? I don't think I don't think a lot has changed. I suppose I've come to learn that if you expect more and you present the challenge to the athlete and put him in the right environment, most of the time, 
a high percentage of the time they will respond and they'll they'll take on the challenge and they'll get better they'll get stronger from it um, mentally and they'll raise their expectations mostly of, of themselves when they go back home when they're done um, I suppose that's the main thing I've learned and the other thing I've learned is that there are some very serious consequences if you totally nuke yourself and that is in 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 the immune system and what we call overtraining disorders and that um, oftentimes it's not Achilles tendonitis or tendonitis in your knee that you need to worry about really because those are short-term problems really uh, that you can cure but if you do nuke yourself if you totally smash yourself and and damage your immune system so that you are susceptible to things like we talked about with Klaus earlier um, before we um, Aaron uh, Gordo and I were talking about it about shingles overtraining mononucleosis things like that you know that that's probably the main um, the main borderline thing where you need to where you need to watch yourself Really, I, I think in terms of what we learned about the camps, uh, well, the one thing is we used to put we used to have anywhere from two to four sprints in uh, at, in that first camp. So we had like a, a sprint kind of jersey, and we had like a, a, a KOM jersey. And those all-out sprints, there was something about doing those two or three, two or three times, just max effort, and then on top of it, you were really tired. Yeah. That really shelled everybody. Um, so the, those those max effort uh, sections that you put in, like when you go to 100%, like you actually go as hard as you can go, yeah. those ones are extremely draining. So I think the uh, – and, and I, I tend to warn the guys about that. I mean if you get yourself – So is it dangerous? Well, it, it just – it's a different type of fatigue. Uh, I think the – there's there's – I've seen in myself, uh, if you get yourself tired just from aerobic training, so steady. So you, you're going to get yourself really tired from doing a ton of steady. All that's going to really happen is you're going to sleep a lot and you're going to bounce back after a couple weeks. If you get yourself tired from the combination of volume, getting glycogen depleted, and then high intensity, that's how you bring on overtraining, which requires anywhere from two to six months off yep. to, to put yourself back together. Um, so you need to be careful with those, you know, when you're starting up to get up around threshold and particularly the sustained, sustained pieces over threshold can sort of bring it on. So I think that's, that's one thing I've learned. I think something I've seen, something I've seen in myself and different types of training are appropriate with at different periods of your development. So for a lot of the guys that come to us and they're in that kind of nine and a half to ten and a half hour uh, range. And they're relatively young uh, in terms of their athletic age, particularly on the bike. And they need to make a leap in terms of their fitness. The high-volume cycling-oriented camps are the safest and the quickest way to do it. If you, if you look at Kloss, the big change that happened to Kloss when he really broke through with his running, started running, you know, he ran 242 in yeah. Taupo, ran 244 in Brazil. You know, he's run, he ran 245 last year at Roth. I mean, you know, those. Yeah. Yeah. He, when, when he came, his training runs were the same. So if you look at him back in 2002 and 2003, his, his training runs compared to now, I mean, he's a little bit quicker now, I imagine, but, but not, a, not a lot. The difference is that he got that bike strength that enabled him to run well. I think a lot of guys, particularly when they go from short to long course, they got a fast 10K time, so they kind of plug that into a marathon predictor, and then they figure they're going to run fast in Ironman. It doesn't work that way. It's a completely different type of running. Yeah. 
And that's that's a, that's a neat thing. That's part of the reason why, you know, somebody somebody with my profile, I'm not fast over 5K, not fast over 10K, but I can run well because I've got the volume base and I don't break down peripherally. Uh, and, and so I'm able to run off the bike in an Ironman. Yeah. Before we started, he was talking about how Scott and him were talking while training today about how what were the differences between an age grouper and maybe the 80s, early 90s, and probably early 80s and uh, early 90s? And today, what does it take and what are the differences between both of those athletes and to achieve, I suppose, maybe is what you, maybe you want to fill us in more, Corey? Well, let's Scott lead off because he, he's got the interesting perspective. Well, I, the, the depth has increased dramatically. If you look at the numbers, I was asking Gordo, I said, what, what do you think the the numbers are as far as number of Ironman athletes in particular that uh, how much has it increased over the last three years six years and he thinks it's 50 100 percent I, I agree it's the depth is a, is a lot greater of just total numbers and the number of people who have done multiple Ironmans and over the years people get better and the, the to get on the podium now or to qualify for Kona you know it's gotten a lot harder um, if you look at the the gap between the qualifier, the first qualifier, second qualifier, let's say, and the last qualifier, the gap is narrowing, right? And so the depth is getting greater. Well, and you, look at, you, you look at the top age group guys and you compare them to the winner. I mean, that gap. You, you look first age grouper compared to maybe fifth place pro. I mean, you, you know, you've got guys now, the guys that are sort of at the top of the, their age group in Kona, those guys, yeah. I mean, they're going to go top 10 at an international Ironman race, some of them. Some of them got 840 in, in Kona this year. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. And I mean, and, the, and you've also got, you've got athletes that were Olympians or, say, Div 1 NC2A athletes in, uh, in the States. So, uh, you know, tra- national class. So say you've, you've got guys that were national class and women. So they were national class in their teens and early 20s. And then they took time out, so they left athletics. For you know five or ten years but they got these huge motors and now they're coming back into the sport and what you're seeing is you know you're just you're just seeing you're seeing the times come down in that especially in that 35 to 55 year range the times are just coming down every year by chunks you know I, I remember when, when I when I first started, so in 99 and, and 2000, you'd kind of look at the last, you know, the guy that qualified last and the roll down and that. Yeah. And it was, you know, it wasn't the realm of possibility, but it was in the realm of possibility. I mean, now, you know, you, you got you to gotta have some skills to sort of pull down a slot. Not only do you need a little bit of, a little bit of talent, you, you, have to, you have to really dedicate yourself because you're going up against guys that are, I mean, in, in the over 40 Actually, in the over 40, you're, you're probably going against guys that are either lifetime athletes or maybe former pros or, you know, that have the ability to maybe work part time for six months to really get ready for a race and that. And that's a, that's a big challenge. We got, I think, eight guys here in the, at this camp um, at 40 or older yeah. who are here in New Zealand in January, you know, doing 80 plus hours of training. Um, when most people who are thinking about, you know, maybe they've entered an Ironman and are thinking about training are doing maybe four to eight hours a week. And I think sometimes 
there's this unre- unreasonable expectation of a lot of people that, oh, yeah, well, you know, if I if I start training in March and I get really get going in May, June, you know, I can go to LP and I can really rip one. And and what happens is is that at these events, there's a convergence of people from all over the world. And only two or three or four in your age group need to be training like these guys are training you know they've been training pretty solid just to get ready for the camp you know and so by the time july rolls around you know it's just an evolution they're just you know one more year the the uh, along the path of training and 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 they do a lot of work and i think it's, it's easy to underestimate um how many people really are out there doing a heck of a lot of training um, to try and get that podium spot or that qualification spot that you want to get. Mm. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we, 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 we see them here, but I think, you know, uh, a lot of people don't, they don't see them in their hometown, you know. We're passing the mic around because one of the second mic died, so we're passing the mic around. It's an interesting experience. Um, it's interesting because I know when I did, I, I won my age group in New Zealand uh, a couple of years ago now, and uh, I remember at the time I was quite training with you guys, and Gordo said to me, I train a lot more than what the pros in America do, and I was really surprised by that because I just thought that's what was needed. And well, that, that is a really interesting thing about expectations. Scott? Scott and I were talking about expectations. We were talking about in the terms of if you go to a you go to masters in Australia, and what's what's the expectation of the the average swimmer? What's the expectation? Well, the average swimmer, the expectation is you're probably going to be swimming four to six times a week, and it's going to be a 90 minute session every time, long course meters, um, and that's that's just normal. So it's it's just considered normal to be swimming you know 20 to 25k a week that's 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 not somebody that's particularly fast that's that's just considered kind of regular in 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 the squad and so that expectation lifts the entire community so australia as a community are excellent uh, swimmers now we let's let's take that expectation let's apply it to here to christchurch and i always warn americans when they roll over to new zealand that it's uh it's a different world the standard is different you can be mid-pack in the states you come over here you'll finish dead last at, at, at a race i mean they'll be waiting at the finish line for you but you'll, you could be dead last as a <laughs> mid-pack athlete the age group athletes here would be mid-pack pros over in the states just in terms of regular standards so you so the so the guys the guys that have grown up in this environment so they've they've grown up and at the local aquathon they got got top 10 itu guys they got chris gemmel you know, they've been racing with Hamish Carter or something for 10 years, Bevan Doherty, all these guys that are, you know, top in the world. And when those guys were young, they were they were growing up racing with guys that were top in the world. Yeah. And you got a guy like John Hellemans who's, you know, coaching and working with people, and he's got incredibly high standards. And the whole community it lifts everybody's standard up. It's just like that's you all get sort of carried on that, and that's one of the interesting things about Christchurch. That was a big attraction for me coming here. It's just considered, it's just considered normal to sort of to, to train that way if you have an expectation that you want to perform. Mm. Nobody sort, of, you know, it's just that's what you got to do. You know, you're going to be training 18 to 25 hours a week, and you're going to do that most of the year. And if it's raining, you're going to have to get out there. And even if it's hailing, and (laughs) you know, you just deal with it. And the conditions make you tough down here too, because you know the wind on the bike and and the cold and that. So I think that's a a key part of uh, sort of why. Well, actually, why we see the the Kiwis 
um, are so good, uh, you know, in triathlon as a, as a relatively uh, well, not as a relatively as a small country in terms of population, mm. they do very well um, internationally in triathlon. Okay, let's uh, this, just before the interview, I was, I was actually at home with my partner and uh, we're looking at your website and uh, she goes, why is he called the Terminator? And I said, oh, he's a legend, bub, so you, that must be the reason. But the, I'm interested to know, why are you the Terminator? Who named you? Give me the story. That's a silly story and it's a, <laughs> it's, it's old story, but I'll tell you anyway. Um, there was a guy named Bill Kotowski who started Triathlete Magazine. Um, I wonder what he's doing now. Um, but he's, he's running a, a secondhand bookshop in Berkeley, I'll bet. Anyway, he, um, he it was about the same time that the movie came out, The Terminator, the very first oh, one, okay. and the guy was killing everyone. Yeah. And, and so he said in some article, I uh, forget what, uh, that Scott was like The Terminator, yeah. you know, killing everybody. And that was it. Um, no, no more to it than that. It just stuck. It just stuck. Okay, now tell the other story. Uh, <laughs> this is what I thought. Gordo thought a German guy named me the Terminator. No, we were riding along on the Pacific Coast Highway one day, and a freak thing happened. The squirrel ran into my front wheel uh, in a group ride. There was about 60 of us on the Wednesday ride, and the, the squirrel uh, unfortunately got sort of caught between my brakes, my tire, my spokes, and, you know, it sort of got... Um, Sliced and diced. Right? <laughs> yeah, it got splattered all. I got splattered all over me. I had squirrel guts all over me, and and you know, in typical German accent. Yo, you really are the Terminator. <laughs> it wasn't Jurgen. Oh, there we go. So, so now you guys know why the Terminator exists. So, Gorda, you um, you actually sent me an email a few days ago about a new business you've been looking at doing, and uh. It, it looked pretty exciting stuff, and I thought, well, probably better than me talk about it to get you kind of give us some information on what you're thinking and where you're heading on going with this business. All right. Well, like like I was just talking about um, in Christchurch, one of the things that's very unique about Christchurch, and there's a few places where this is in the world, is the community. You've got a community of athletes, mm. coaches, but it's deeper than that. You've, what you have is you've got a sports medicine community, you've got guys that can do your bike fit, the, the whole thing. And no, in, in terms of world champions per capita, Christchurch probably is, is, is up there, I, I, I think, because I, I remember we were counting different sports. I'm not talking, yeah. I'm not talking triathlon. I'm saying, you know, duathlon, triathlon. Rowers, multi-sports. multi-sports. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's, there's, there's a very high level of athlete. And, and it's a community. And because of that, everybody sort of lifts each other up. So one of the things, as you know, I pulled the pin on my board uh, a couple couple months ago, forum. My, my forum, yeah, and and I had a lot a lot of people come up to me and say, look, you know, you what? should. Just well, somebody hacked it, and it was and it was a pain in the ass. Cool. Uh, I don't know what, but anyhow, the, somebody kept uploading uh, Trojans or something onto it, and I, I could have fixed it, but I chopped it, and then I chopped it, and I realized that I was dropping about twelve hours a week on it, nice. and you know, when you get that time back, you can do a lot with that time, but. As it, a lot of over the last, and that was probably six, seven months ago now, and I bump into people at the races, and uh, a lot of people were sending me emails saying that they missed it. So that kind of got me thinking. Well, can I get a, maybe I, could I bring it back? And that, and that was one, that was one aspect of it. This community aspect was 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 another uh, aspect of it, as well as a few other things. And if you read my blog, you know how I think. You know, a lot of people talk about well, what can we do to help people. 
um, or maybe they're complaining about the government or they don't like the way things are. Yeah. And I, I've always been of the point, well, if you don't like things the way things are, do something about it. You know. And, and the biggest thing that you can do from my time in Asia, the biggest thing you can do to help somebody is actually start a business. I mean, you, you can you can you know paint a sign and go protest and pick it. That might make a difference. But if you really want to impact somebody's life, you start a business. You give them a job, and then you give them training, opportunity. They can stay with you, grow with you, or then go off and do their own thing and run their own business. So my idea is basically a, an endurance community. Um, a lot of people in Boulder have been talking about you know there's no real place for athletes a meeting point that type of thing. So it's, it would be a combination of a virtual community and a real-world community. The virtual community would be focused around endurance, and we would have articles available to anybody uh, to access. So similar to like my G-tips on my board, but simple, more simplified, more basic across all sports, endurance-oriented. So if somebody's just getting into it, like I was back in the mid-90s, I'd have it would be a resource. I wish I had something that sort of could have prevented me from making as many mistakes as I did, just kind of you know easing into it, and that's the idea. So there'd be this uh, the virtual community is just a free community where people can come and meet, talk about different types of endurance training. Now, obviously, you know there'll be triathletes hanging around. We'll talk about maybe Ironman triathlon, but a bit more general than that. And I think if you look at the media, you read the magazines, and you look at all the stuff that's out there, they're they're not talking about what matters in, in terms of there's too much complexity there. When you, when, you, when you look at world-class athletes and the world-class coaches, they can sum it up. They can, they can give you your week, a block, and your year. And each of those is one piece of paper. So you're talking three sheets of paper to run your whole year, and it's simple, it's easy to understand. And, and I think a lot of the complexity is driven just by the fact that you gotta come out with a magazine every month. Yeah. I'll just interject here. Um, I think a lot of the, of of what we're seeing also is is what is is the the tabloid effect really. Um, there needs to be some sensationalism mm. in order to turn a profit. Yeah. And it's like Norman and there's there's so there's so every there's so, there's so many aspects of our sport that have been sensationalized or dramatized or or tabloidized yeah. the, to to sell to sell. Um, to make a profit, and unfortunately, um, like Gordo says, I think it detracts from the 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 delivering an efficient message, the things that really matter. Um, so anyway, back to his business idea. So yeah, so the the idea is really simple. You know, just make it as straightforward as possible, and because most people are most people are in athletics. I mean, what, 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 I mean, it's for fun, right? It's to enjoy themselves. It's a lifestyle challenge, choice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. Challenge yourself. Enjoy it. Right. Yeah. And you, and you get, and, and it's not really to sit around and debating whether, you know, your, your, your repeat should be done at, uh, you know, you know, 87.3% of this wattage number or 73% of this wattage number. That, that stuff doesn't really matter. And your body's constantly changing. And a number that's right on Tuesday could be wrong on Friday anyhow. Yeah. So that stuff doesn't really help people. So that's if you like the online thing. A simple message, create an online virtual community where people can ask questions, support each other. The overriding mission there is just help people help themselves. So and give people the tools to use athletics to turn their life around. I mean, my story, I turned, completely turned my life around using um, athletics, first by walking, then mountaineering and triathlon. 
So that and then that's the that's the virtual community. Now tied into that is the real community, and the real community is going to be growing out of you know as you, as you know I'm a coach, and uh, I really like coaching and teaching. And so what I'm looking to do is take on some apprentice coaches and teach them what I know and learn from them. So the idea would be you take on these apprentice coaches. I teach them what I know. The, the coaches will not necessarily come from a coaching background. It's people that come from an athletic background, probably have some other skills, and we create a unique group of people, a diverse group of coaches and advisors, and then we work with clients. And it's not just when you come to the firm, it's not just a one, one-to-one type relationship. You've got that community. So the athletes know each other, and they work with a range of coaches. So we have different coaches with different skills, so you, you sort of pair it up different that ways. way. Yeah. yeah, and connected with that, uh, if anybody's interested, then go to gordoworld.com and hit my blog, and there's an outline for the apprentice coach thing. Uh, and, uh, you know, send me, send me your background and I'd like to have a look at that. And that's, that's really the first step, get that business up and running. And then what we're going to look at doing is around that, um, do what I would call life services. So it's uh, human, human performance, uh, sports medicine, chiropractic massage. When I, when I first looked at doing my pool project in Boulder, yeah, we're looking at we're looking at renovating an existing 25 meter pool and turning it into uh, upgrading it to a 50 meter pool because Boulder doesn't have a year round 50 meter pool. Uh, and when I first looked at that, you know, I thought that'd be a really good sort of linchpin type uh, project, like QE2 here. We've got the pool, but around the pool, you get all these other services, this community, and that's really kind of all playing together. Is what I want to do is. Use my use my skills in setting things up to try and create this community uh, in Boulder because Boulder is, is an, there's an amazing resource there. There's all this knowledge, coaches, athletes, many different sports, and if you can create a hub, I think you can, you can create something that's really quite unique. And as well, you know, just down the road, Colorado Springs, they've got the Olympic Training Center, and they've got they've got a hub there. But that hub's not really driven for the public. That's not open to the public. You know, like I, I can't sort of ring up and say, hey, I, you know, uh, can I can I come yeah. hang out and uh, you know train with you guys for a summer? Can't do it. But if we, but if we had something up the road, you know, we could maybe some of those maybe some of those coaches or some of those athletes might like to come and train and participate maybe up the road with us. But we could open it to the public and we could we could really benefit the community. Mm-hmm. So that's what we're looking to do. That's pretty cool. I'm gonna grab them like that. Um, oh, it sounds very exciting. So Gordo World slash blog. No, just uh, just go to gordoworld.com and then click through to the blog and the post is uh, it's called G blog. It's just on the bottom. Post is just a print. You guys know Gordo's website. Don't deny it. Um, okay then so that sounds really exciting. So for me, um, I'm doing epic camp coming up tomorrow. Is it tomorrow? No, no. it's Monday. Monday. Well some of the guys are getting the prologue. Prologue. Yeah, the prologue is a uh, lactate step test on oh, the bike. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I think we got about 10 guys doing that tomorrow. Okay, so some guys are done tomorrow. I'm starting Monday. I'm not doing no blooming bike tests. Um, but um, it's, 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 for me, it's really, really exciting. It's probably the most physically challenging thing I'll have ever done up to this part of my life. So it's really exciting. But just thinking about Epic Camps, it started about, what, three or four years ago now? Four. Four years ago now. And it's um, it's slowly just grown and grown into this kind of worldwide, within our own little world that we have. Um, probably the most known camp there is out there, and um, we're just wondering. I'm kind of just wondering where to from here for Epic Camp. Um. We were talking about that today about what is reasonable to to expect 
of people um, to take two weeks off or just over two weeks is, is hard for a lot of people. Even the most keen triathlete who would love to come, you know, to get two full weeks off uh, is, is a tough ask. So do we continue to do that or do we perhaps shorten it a little bit so that maybe they, may, they take a full week off work and then we incorporate their, their weekend off um, so that maybe they miss a total of, let's say, six days of work. You know, maybe maybe perhaps that's where we need to go in the future. I'm not really sure yet, but we'll we'll keep ex- we'll keep talking about that. Um, so time is a problem you come up with. Time is is an, is a big issue. You know, I mean, um, most of these guys, uh, you well, know, if you if you've got a job where you can just split for two weeks, then fronting up the cash is pretty hard. Mm-hmm. So you you know what I mean. Most guys either have time flexibility or money yeah. if, you, if you've got a high paying job it's normally high paying because you're around a lot yeah, yeah. and you know you got the long hours and that so it's it's so that's why the you know and and for us if it's somebody that has the time flexibility but they don't have the cash well if you live very humbly you can kind of stretch your money out a lot more than sort of coming to an epic camp yeah. so that that's been uh, that's been a bit of a challenge for some of the guys I think one of the, some of the th- key things that we, we have found that we'd love to keep are um, a challenging camp. got to be hard. It's got to be hard. Like, like really hard. Yeah. Because the thing is, you know, the, the, the physiological change in guys, you know, in, in the people that come, that, that's real. And, and you see that. But the, the difference, the thing that gets the guys to break through, the guys have been trying for Kona, trying for Kona, trying for Kona, can't do it. They come to the camp, they do their next Ironman, they qualify. What, what changed about that guy? Physiologically, did the camp really change their physiology? I don't think so. What changed is mentally. We got that guy so tired, and then we told him, you got to get out there and do it all again. And then you got to do it again and again. And the mental thing. And then on top of it all, you know, Ed was saying to me, he goes, you know, Ironman, Lake Placid was, was tough, but it, it, wasn't, it wasn't any worse than having to sit at the back hanging on for grim death for three hours on whatever it was, day seven or yeah, something. Yeah. You know, like it, you, you take yourself so beyond what you think was possible. And a big part of Ironman racing that I felt and what I got from riding across the States with Klaus is fatigue lost its emotional component within me. So, and, and that's, Scott's been training his whole life. So it, it's, it, he's, he's used to, he's used to the way racing feels mm. and he's used to the way being tired feels. Mm. I wasn't. And, and those feelings of discomfort and deep despair that you can get at times in an Ironman really are strong emotions. And if you've never experienced them before, it's, it's quite tough to, to deal with them. Well, you're dealing with them daily on, on, on Epic Camp. Maybe not every day, but every other day. Yeah. And, and you just get through it, and then they disappear. It's, it's lost its grip on you. Yeah. Um, and so mentally, it's just Ironman becomes just a one-day race. Whereas, you know, before, it's, it's built up to this huge thing. It's going to be the biggest training day of your life. It's the biggest training thing. And it is, and it's, it's a hard day. But it makes, you know, it makes, yeah, it makes the race seem that little bit more manageable. And that's one of the things I like about it. So I think, you know, we have to keep the camps difficult. I think we also have to keep the standard very high. That's something we get back from the guys every year when we ask them. We ask them, we, after every camp, we ask them, was it too hard? And, was the, uh, and what do you think about the sort of standard? And we always get clear feedback. Yeah, it was hard, but it was it too hard. Well, that's tough to say. I mean, I got through it. 
um, and keep the, keep the standard up. Because what happens is, although maybe an athlete could get through everything, it just sucks if you get punched out the back the first time the pace changes and you're riding by yourself for you know eight days or something. I mean, that, that's, that's not what we're about. A big part of it is the camaraderie, going through it with the people and, and helping each other out. That's kind of I do get asked quite often, I get an email, when are you going to do an Epic Camp for, for mortals, you know, for normal folks? And my thinking is that, well, I'm not going to do that until I'm, until I'm a lot more mortal myself. <laughs> I, I think not, and, 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 and not because... You don't need it. N- that you don't need it. If you, you if, might, if you might think it's a good idea, but let me tell you, you you'll be you'll you'll be broken down and injured by day five, or you're gonna have to take five weeks off and you you'll go straight off a cliff. If you have to have that background of endurance to, to have any hope of bouncing back from it. And and if and if I watered it down to for fourteen or fifteen or sixteen hour, let's say type of Ironman. Um, or people have never done any 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 real severe endurance training. If I watered it down, it wouldn't be an epic camp. Well, but what's and the point? That product's out there. Other people. That's right. Other people probably do a better job of that than we could do. So it was, we'd just be offering something you can get someplace else, um, probably better. I mean, there, there's a lot of good coaches out there that have great camps that that you can go to mm-hmm. if you're training for your first Ironman. You could do it on the Ironman course. Uh, you know, on your specific course, which I think is always a very good idea. You go do these long weekends where you check the course out and all that, and, and it's a mixture of training and theoretical sessions, and those are fantastic camps. So it'd be tough for us to compete on that basis because we don't, I mean, you know, we got, I mean, we like to think we're nice guys and we got a little bit to offer, but, you know, other people have that too. Yeah. There, there is one other aspect of it is I, I, I only have so many days when I can leave home and go do this sort of thing. I mean, I have a, I have a young family and, um, I don't, <laughs> I can't get away that much. And so for me, it's a very valuable time personally for me. And so I want to spend it doing exactly what I want to do. And I really don't want to compromise. And this is the way that we're doing it now is, is what I want to do with my, with my, if I can get away from home, this is what I want to do. And so, that's a that's a key aspect of why we do it the way we do it. And and uh, I mean for me, the, the 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 ability, the you'll see the bike training that you do on an epic camp is I think the only other place you could recreate it would be like a pro cycling camp or something like yeah. that. I mean you just you cannot you I cannot train like that by myself. Mm-hmm. I mean you just won't. You just won't go to the front and take a three-hour pull like you're gonna. You, you'll do. Uh, you'll, I, I know you. You'll, 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 you'll have a day, and and you'll say you'll say you just get in the mood to do some work, and you'll go up to the front and you'll pull for 50k. Everybody be this is wonderful. They'll be sitting back, but you just you won't do things like that. I've seen guys do training on these camps when they're in a group that they just would not do, and that's really the benefit of being in a strong group. When you look at some of the best triathletes in the world they're, they're, it's uh, it's small group or medium group training is where they do a lot of their stuff I mean there's there's a number of you know uh, Kiwi groups yeah. you know around Hellman's he's he's got a group um, there's there's um, uh, at the Olympic Training Center there's there's a good group uh, the French have groups I mean all the different countries in Victoria in Canada I've never trained there but I'm told that's a very good group of athletes yeah. so so um, so, um, so so the future is pretty much more of the same? 
Yeah, I think. Uh, well, there's, there's. I was, I was talking. I was, yeah, I was, I was talking to Scott, and 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 there's a couple things for for me. By the time you know we're starting this camp at at you know effectively at Scott's door, um, and and for me by the time you know if we do a camp, I'm going to be living in Boulder, starting uh, beginning of starting the end of January. I'm moving to Boulder because that's where my wife my wife's from, and I'm going to be there. Pretty much, pretty much full time. Other than the travel I have to do for business, so that means every every camp that's not in Colorado uh, re- requires me to travel to and from. So by the time if we go with the two camp format, by the time we do that, I'm away from home five weeks a year. Uh, on top of that, I probably have to travel a minimum ten weeks a year for business. Uh, then you throw in maybe going over to Hawaii, not for a race, but to, you know to check it out, and support my athletes. Okay, so we're at sixteen weeks already. Um, that, that's a lot of time away from home. So maybe we go with something that allows me to be away from home a little bit less. The, the other thing that, 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 I was, um, that I was thinking in terms of future camps, you know, back, back to the future point, I really like these camps in New Zealand. I think this is a great place. This time of year, January or February, I know we made jokes about the weather, but the weather's generally pretty good. I mean, you're not going to get hammered. Yeah, I mean, you might get a little rain, but you're not going to get snowed on or anything. People from Ottawa and Toronto think it's pretty good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You get, you get, you know, if if, if any of my buddies in Alberta are listening, yeah, the, uh, you know, those guys, those guys are like, what are you complaining about? You know, it's like, you know, minus 50 with the, you know, 40 mile an hour wind. But so the weather is good here. The training's good here. And we can, we can, we can offer a lot in terms of what we bring and, and, and what we do. And support. We, we support, and, and that's great. I mean, you know, having, having all the vehicles out there and everybody. And it enables us to put the camp on at a price that doesn't cost the roof. You know, we go to Europe, you start paying euros for everything, yeah. start having to fly your support in and all that really adds up. Mm-hmm. So, but, we, but we like going to Europe. So, we, you know, so we, you know, we've got in 2008, we're going to go to Italy. And then the next one, the next European one after that, we want to do Spain. Because the idea is, you know, the Grand Tours, because yeah. we did France, then we do Italy, then we do Spain, and then maybe, I don't know, maybe we do one, maybe we consider doing one back in the States, or last year we did the Pyrenees, maybe we do Alps or something. Yeah. But Alps, I'm told, is crazy expensive, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so the idea would be, you know, have, have that camp here. I also think Tasmania is a great place for a camp. I did one in March. There's not a lot of people there. It's the same sort of thing. There's a couple. There's long course swimming. There's uh, there's ocean swimming. There's nice beaches. You can do long rides. And and also I want to do a. There's a park there called Cradle Mountain Park, and you can you can do a point to point run that's about 80k. And and I think that would be a good challenge run for some of the guys. A little oh. bit of an ultra run. <laughs> you said you want to do Leadville. Anyhow, it's on my list. <laughs> things to do. Yeah, things to do. So that's uh, yeah. So it's, we're, we're thinking, thinking maybe, thinking maybe something like that. Uh, I'm in the room with some crazy men. Scott's got his hands here, and he's thinking, oh, what am I doing here? Um, okay, so we kind of covered the questions we mentioned before the show. There's a couple of things I personally I want to know or want to ask, and um, where to from here personally, both for you as athletes um, over the next kind of year. What are you just kind of aiming for and um, how do you see that you're going to achieve that and do that? Scott, I'll start with you first because you're closest. Mine's easy. I, I don't have a lot of race ambitions this year. I, I mostly just want to get uh, a year of running under my belt uh, without being injured. Uh, it's been since 2001, uh, just uh, actually Brazil really, since prior to Brazil, 2001, that I was running well. And I uh, would like to run 
semi-decent again, and it just seems to be one uh, hiccup after another that sets me back. And so that's my, that's my main goal for this year, is just to run decent. Injury-free. I have to suck it up and do all the therapy that is necessary for a, uh, a guy uh, who has um, ran too many miles in his life and has a lot of chronic uh, adhesions, you know, in my legs. You know, there's there's a lot of little scar tissue going on in there. And I need to work on my flexibility for real, not just half-assed like I have been. The offer still stands. I know, I know. <laughs> go to, go, go to, uh, for, for Christmas, <laughs> well, probably about four years ago now, for Christmas, and I, it's open. I left it open at the yoga school where I, where I go. Which is... Which is uh, How far from my house. Well, oh, oh, the, the yoga school—it's a three-minute walk. Okay, and it's also right across the street from the liquor store. So, so you so you know he, you know he walks over there occasionally. But yeah, he's got there's a yoga school right there with a great guy that works with you know elite athletes and, and the whole thing. I'm having dinner with him tonight, and uh, that was it. I said you know I said if Scott wants to come for a season of yoga, I'll pay for it. It was my way of saying thanks for kind of you know getting me going. I'm, I'm, I haven't been yet, but not, I, even, not even for an evaluation. I'm gonna get there. I, this is gonna be the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so for me, my year 2007. Get healthy running wise. Get some get some decent running in me. And uh, race wise, um, not a lot. I, I'm hoping to get through the Challenge Queenstown uh, this year. Um, other than that, I don't have any. Other long races on the calendar except for Monaco, uh, Half Ironman, um, which I think is a fantastic course. Just brilliant. I love those sorts of sorts of mountains. Oh, the, the, you don't need to worry about drafting on that course. No, no. Three, three, three major climbs in, um, in the Maritime Alps, and it's just, it's just the most fabulous Half Ironman bike course in the world by far. Just spectacular. And I love Monaco. Well, we'll give, we'll give Brad a plug. Auburn's good. Uh, Auburn's all right. But in Monaco and Auburn, you know, I'd, you know. So that's one of three I'd, races I've won. Okay. So it's a, okay. It has a special place in my Aub- heart. Auburn is fantastic. I have done it. Okay. So I have ticked that off my list. But I haven't done Monaco yet. So that's um, um, that one. And maybe go back to Thailand again. Uh, do um, Phuket, which I did this year. Um, other than that, how'd Phuket go for it? It went okay. You know, I, I wasn't the top chick. Uh, that's uh, the last few years I've been um, using, chick, yeah. yeah, using the, the the pro women as my gauge. You know, if I can beat the top pro women, I'm doing all right. And this year, I I got firmly trounced. You were uh, you were fifth woman, I think. I was. <laughs> I was fourth woman. No, you, I think. I was bad. fifth. No, you're right. I was fifth woman. Yeah. You're right. Bella, Bella got me. Bella just, got you. Oh, just at the end, Bella. A little bubble butt. Her, her, don't edit that, by the way. Um, anyway, um, so so I, I wasn't. I haven't been that running. Was I haven't been running. Come on. I think that was Bella's third weekend racing in a row. Yeah, she, she was. Yeah, go- she had won Florida, won World Champs. Laura, and then Laura, you. Laura Rebeck just barely beat me. Anyway, she took a she took a month off. I was swimming with her in Noosa. Yeah, but she's pretty good. She, she was on break okay. getting ready for that race. But oh, yeah, you got to dig My swim was okay. <laughs> no, she, no, you didn't. You told me you came out with the, oh, with Sam, the woman's what, pack. Was Sam, Sam McGlone? Oh, so she's a lead pack. I no. Think. Well, I you made it seem like you came out of the water I said, with like I said, a or something. No, I swam okay, I said. That's why I said my swim was okay. I didn't say it was brilliant. Anyway, so, so I haven't... Okay, it wasn't a fantastic race for me, but... 
I did have a big week prior to that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Coaching responsibilities. Coaching. For you. Big week of coaching. <laughs> and Phuket. I tell you, it was flat out. Anyway, uh, so this year, yeah, just, just really get my running together and do a few races. Um, I've got a, a three-year plan before I get to 50, and then I'm, I'm going to try and uh, buckle, down again. buckle down and hit it hard when I hit the 50-plus. Fit and fabulous is, at 50. Is, is that a kind of 50? Um, I wouldn't say Kona's uh, necessarily on the on the books for fifty. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I've seen him race Taupo if he was in good shape. There's yeah, some, there's 50. there's some other races that suit me a lot better than yeah. Kona. So uh, who knows? Maybe Kona, but but some other races and just generally get out there a bit more and just get psyched up to do some. You know, try to go fast. Yeah. Gordo's turn. I was pitching in there a little bit. <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, this uh, this year, the, the only thing that ever matters to me any year that I'm serious about training is Canada. That's that's the that's where that's the first Ironman I did, and that's the only one I really care about. So everything's built around that. Uh, so I'm gonna I'll I'll be out and about doing shorter races. Uh, I'm not I'm only doing one Ironman this year um, because my issue. You know, it takes. I've been doing this long enough. Basically, I, I can, you know, from from scratch in 12 weeks, I can get myself into sub nine uh, shape because I've got the volume in me. But you know, sub nine doesn't do it. I mean, you gotta if you wanna you wanna win a good Ironman these days, you have to turn up in like sub 830 shape, and and that takes. That's like a, the difference between you know. I, I always look at it. It's like octaves of fitness, you know. So that the guys that are kind of in the when when you're in that sort of 915 to 925 type range, okay, your next your next level is getting a nine. You know that 859. That's 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 your next octave. Well, after that, every 15 minutes is a whole new level of fitness. There is like the difference between a 840 guy and an 855 guy is there's a noticeable difference in fitness. And my buddy Klaus went 8. 15 i think in 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 roth this past year and that's just crazy fast i mean that's just super fast and then those guys that go sub eight are just you know they're amazing i mean that's what that's what takes to sort of win those are the guys that can win hawaii but for me you know having started relatively late uh, i think getting into the the sort of shape where i've got a good shot again at canada is is i find that exciting and, and you need to be excited to do the training and I spent, uh, I, I smoked myself, so I was, I was pretty overtrained in 2005. But I used that time in business to put myself in a position whereby this past year, 2006, I sort of moved out of a big chunk of my business responsibilities. So I've, I've cleared the decks so that time-wise I'm going to be able to put in the training and, uh, and put in a good effort because I'm, uh, I'm 38 now. And there comes a time where genetics do start swinging against you, and then, and then you get to do what Scott does. You know, you start then, then, then well, then, then you start looking at you start looking at all right. Well, and then it gets fun. Yeah, and then you start looking at all right. Well, what do I want to do? You know, like uh, you know, he he went out after Epic Camp France. He went out and did Ventoux mm -hmm. with, with with a couple buddies just for kicks. You know, and that's that's fun. Mm -hmm. But you can't do. I mean, if you're really focused on trying to go fast, you got to do what what what's going to make you fast and you, you sort of you have to make some sacrifices in terms of some of the some of the fun stuff but that's okay i mean so that's that's what's uh, on my agenda after that the mistake i made after i went fast in canada in 2004 was not taking a enough rest so i'll take a big break um and i might even take i might take a year off ironman they got these new races this uh 101s, 101s. Yeah. 
And that looks like it, I like that because it won't break me down as much. And with, uh, but the run's long enough that it matters, you know, it gives guys a chance, a, a chance to crack. So if, you, if you've got those Ironman racing skills, you can, that shorter race, you know, that two hour shorter, I think it would be, uh, I don't know, maybe more, uh, but, you know, roughly, yeah. uh, whatever it is, a six to seven hour race, makes a big difference. I mean, that last, the last, running, running a marathon when you're that tired really busts you up. And, and the, the strain, the physiological strain and the immune system strain from running a fast marathon when you're that uh, tired is, is, is really strong. So those one-on-ones are interesting. I, I, I think it'd be a good, you know, it's a new series. I know the guy, the guy that runs it, he's the guy that puts on the triple T, you know, that three-day thing. Yeah, yeah. And that's a fun, that's a, that's a fun little event. So I figure they'll probably be run pretty well. Um, and I know some of the other groups in North America are considering, you know, some of the other race groups are also considering doing other things in that kind of two-third maybe type distance or having series in that that are different things. Let me just interrupt. I hope I hope that uh, actually he takes that triple T concept yeah. and expands that. I think I've been waiting for the, uh, a stage race in the United States to happen because um, I, I did the Iron Tour, the French Iron Tour, which didn't last very long. It was it was it was elite oriented though. It wasn't age group oriented. So, so had they run the French one? Uh, they had six days uh, of racing. Back to back to back to back to back, oh. um, all a triathlon every day. Different, uh, different distances, yeah. They're mostly short, but I think the triple T idea is is its time has come, uh, where you can expect. Xterra is y- coming there in the states. Do you know the Xterra is like if you look at Keystone and if you if you look at the Xterra races, some of them I don't know if all of them do it. I asked if they did it in New Zealand. They don't. But the race organizers have put together an entire weekend. So you, so you don't, it's not like you got to leave the whole family at home. There's like a, there's like a, a little kid's race. Yeah. It's like there's, a, there's a, there's a, there's a okay. The yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. There might, and you know, there might be an open water swim yeah. and there's maybe yeah. a, there's a, there's a 10 K for people that just want to run. But it's not cumulative for the participants. No, it's, it's not. It's, it's just, and, it's all yeah, pieces. I, but whereas where I, where my idea, like the triple T. I love the triple T. The triple T is where you get, you, you see if the person who is prepared diligently yeah and can handle day after day after day of depth racing. of fitness depth of fitness that's the <laughs> you know i'd love to see a, a a triathlon stage race that is not not epic there's a market length. there there's a market I, there I for think, it i think there is the, the triple t sells out every year yeah I, i'd love i'd love to see them um that that sort of idea branch out maybe even go to five or six there, days. there's one of those in hawaii Ultraman? Yeah, it's called Ultraman. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Scott won it, too. Yeah, he won it. He won it with no arrow bars and no wetsuit. I mean, that's that's winning it. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he's got his hand in his head again. It's, it's <laughs> hey guys, well, we'll pretty much wrap it up for you here today. Um, just want to say thank you very much for uh, for your time, and we'll get, catch up for you more over the next couple of weeks. We're going to take my, oh you my, oh go ahead. Oh my, well I got my Apple computer. I don't have a laptop, so I've got I've got to take my actual computer with me on Epic Camp, which is kind of cool. Well, so we can. This I'm taking this thing with me. So so um, I'm going to be recording lots of episodes throughout Epic Camp with these guys and with John and with some of the helpers and other athletes on the event on the event and. Uh, I'm going to give some of my feedback and my feelings throughout the camp, and it's going to be a pretty interesting time. So, how often do you think you might do this? 
do. Yeah, let's uh, get a commitment now yeah, before you start training. Well, <laughs> I, I like to talk, so there's there's no. Um, I don't know. I try to do one daily, I suppose, if I can, because it's just med- like turning the computer on. It's not a hard thing to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not hard. No. <laughs> You'll be fine every day. KP tried to write. Okay, here, here. KP, KP at our last camp in New Zealand. Yeah. KP, all he wanted to do was write one paragraph a day every yeah. day for Epic Camp. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't sound hard, does it? No, no. He's the only guy at the camp that managed to get on and put a post every single day. The rest of us got so smoked that we couldn't do anything. Really? For France, I gave up. I, I told people up front that, look, look, I mean, I know you like reading my stuff, but you're not getting anything because <laughs> these guys are going to be killing me. So I think that's, is that a challenge, boys? Is it? it is. That's it my is. epic. We'll throw it, 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 it is. It is. We'll throw it out. If it's, put it this way. If you manage to do a podcast every day yeah. and you're tied with somebody... We're giving it to you. <laughs> okay, there you go. So I get a bonus point. I'll take that. Um, so, so I'd look to do as many as possible. Well, the challenge is out there now. Every day, I've got to put something down. We we may not be able to actually put the show out every day because it depends on internet access. But what I'll try to do is record an aspect of it every day. Um, but I, I, personally, myself, I just really please you guys put on this event. It's um, for me. I'm an Iron Man who's trying to get to nine hours and. Uh, I believe this is what I need to do to take me through to that next level. I feel I can get there and just, uh, you know, with this kind of next step, it's really, really exciting. And uh, so it's wicked that you guys put on an event like this for athletes of my ability around the world. So thank you very much for that. Thanks for coming on today and spending your time in Scott's beautiful studio. And uh, if you guys have any questions that you want to ask throughout Epic Camp, feel free to email us, email us at ironmantalk at gmail.com. And... Uh, Feel free to anything, you know, maybe just Scott or Gordo or some of the other athletes or even myself to see if I'm getting on those daily, you know, right. <laughs> my daily reports. And um, and that way we can kind of give you more insight to what's happening through our Epic Camp. Um, other than that, just thanks for your time today, guys, and uh, we'll catch up for you in a couple of days. All right. All right, guys. Yeah. Sweet. Righto, guys. So that's uh, episode 40 of Iron Man Talk kind of just about over. If you have any questions for Epic Camp, feel free to email us at ironmantalk at gmail.com. The website's not going to get updated that much over the next couple of weeks. I've made it pretty simple. I've got an Epic Camp picture up there, and it's pretty much it. Um, I'm going to be busy training, as I'm sure you guys understand. Um, we'll have interviews with John. We'll have interviews with Scott and Gordo again. We'll have interviews with athletes, plus the support crew. So it's going to be really exciting times. Just want to say big ups to Coffees of Hawaii at coffeesofhawaii.com. The great place to get coffee for yourself and anyone that you know who loves coffee. Really reasonably priced for a really great product from made in a beautiful place called Hawaii. So Coffees of Hawaii supporting the show. If you could click on one of the ads on the website each week, that'd be great. It just gives us some revenue. And I want to say a big thanks to everybody over Christmas time who bought stuff on Amazon through us. They are, You guys are doing that and it's really great to see that coming through. Um, other than that, that's pretty much us for today. Uh, look out for the show lots through the next couple of weeks because they're going to be coming out at random times. So, uh, I and Russ, I and men don't. Train hard, train well. Kia kaha.